A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, David Ameland. I'm pleased to be here. Brilliant stuff. I just came from band practice. We were talking about that earlier on. I feel like a teenager again. I'm playing in a rock and roll band. Uh, and so I've been singing all afternoon, so I could sing that really well. Um, David's filling in for John Lincoln, and we're going to go through several steps here. I'm going to talk about my experiment. This whole podcast is a learning experience for me because I get to talk to people like David who are really smart and know their stuff. And I get to ask them all the questions that you want to ask, but you never dared. And I dare. And because we're live, nobody dares be rude to me and tell me it's an idiotic question. So that's wonderful. And I get away with it. And last week it was Rand Fishkin, and we got this really great surprise on Periscope which is the Twitter kind of live streaming thing. And I'm only using that because LinkedIn won't allow me in. And if uh, we can show that first screen, Periscope got 1,000 views on replay and 58 people live. That's nuts. Uh, loads more than YouTube. On YouTube, we're at 500 so far. Uh, so Periscope turned out to be this brilliant platform for that particular episode. And I look back through the other ones, they've actually been quite successful on Periscope. So we're streaming live on Periscope. Anybody on Periscope who follows you will probably get some kind of notification that you're on this show. So any of your followers will be here. Um, the other thing is I said earlier on, I woke up um, in the middle of the night uh, thinking, oh, 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 I promised David I would create this event because I had to cancel John Lincoln's event, which was in the knowledge graph, and create this one. And I forgot last night because uh, I've been at band practice, which is fair enough. And at 4 o'clock, I woke up and I thought, oh, I didn't do it. Oh, I better do it now. And I did it thinking, if I do it now, it will get in the knowledge graph by the time we start. Now, first of all, what happened, if we show the next screen, I created the event, and within 10 minutes, it was up on your brand SERP. You can see it there that this event was on your brand cert within 10 minutes of me creating it, and it hadn't existed before anywhere on the cool. web. Yeah, it's really amazing, cool, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is, and absolutely. then I created with WordLift, wonderful tool. Sorry, if you show that screen again, underneath you can see another one, which is the entity David Ameland. I just copy-pasted some information about you, put it in a page, stuck that on the web, and that came up page one within 10 minutes too. So this experiment is going incredibly well. If anybody comes on the show, I trespass on their brand SERP immediately, whether they want me to or not. Um, and then if we show the next screen, I was quite surprised because on CaliCube's brand SERP, I trespassed on my own brand SERP, and this hasn't happened before. All of a sudden, David Amelin comes up as a rich site link. David Amelin's video comes up third, uh, second, sorry, and your profile, uh, your YouTube sorry, page comes up third. And so what Google has done is it said this is incredibly important information around CaliCube. And it's showing it immediately within 10 minutes. And the next one is the one that killed me. The next screen, 10 minutes from when I first posted this event, it was in the knowledge graph. 10 minutes to get in the knowledge graph is something completely new. Uh, and that's partly to do with word lifts, partly to do with the strategy I've built around this. But it's all about the entity-based content model, which is the podcast mm -hmm. as the spine. Each episode, one guest, one topic. And Google's starting to understand that this is a regular event, and it's starting to push this stuff into the knowledge graph and onto your brand search. Sorry, you're a bit of a victim here. <laughs> Incredibly quickly. Um, so that's been really successful. And if we look at the next um, slide... 
Yeah, okay. Uh, the reason I went to mention Wordlift is they're actually sponsoring this, and this is their special offer. Uh, I've, I, I just I just presented to a client, and it took me 10 minutes to explain how it worked, and they're off and running, and they're having a great time with it. And we're going to see how it works out for them, but it's worked out incredibly well for me. And we've got a second sponsor, which is SEMrush, um, which is the next slide along. And if you want the special offer, <laughs> I thought, you know, you've got programmers. You must know this, David. You've got programmers who like underscores, programmers who like capital camel case, and other ones who like hyphens. So I thought I would create a link for each of them. So whatever kind of programmer or HTML writer you are, you can use one of these links and you can still find the Semra special offer, two weeks guru account for free, really generous of them. And why am I allowing myself to be sponsored by Semrush and Wordlift? Because I actually use them for this experiment. So if we go to the next slide, I've been measuring that I, I track the guests, which is a little bit creepy. Um, but I, I track the guests and I track how well the Wordlift page pages, sorry, rank for their name. And as you can see, it's been very, very successful. And I use Semrush to do that. And the next slide, I also use Semrush to check what rich elements appear for them. You can see at the top, uh, and unfortunately, David's disappeared because this is my funny story for the day. Nick Ranger, we got the feature snippet for her. Um, and what happened with Nick Ranger was that I got contacted by ABC, the Australian news channel, who said, oh, Nick, can you please come on our show? And they thought that Nick worked for me because I had the feature snippet for Nick. And that was a really good example of how you need to look after your personal brand set. So SEMrush is a great tool for tracking both uh, the rankings, but also the rich elements, as I call them, the, 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 the um, universal search and so on and so forth. Uh, and you can have a free Guru account by uh, calicube.pro slash SEMrush August, and you can use a camel case, you can use a hyphen, or you can use an underscore, depending on what kind of coder you are. Um, next one. The next slide, we still haven't got David back, so it looks like this is going to be a solo show. Uh, finishing off with the sponsory kind of thing, but it's actually sponsors who who give these incredibly great tools that I use to track all this stuff. And I've used their super duper colors, blue on the on the right, sorry, uh, orange on the on the left, uh, to show that in fact the problem is if you ever choose to sponsor this podcast, you will get um, how would you call it barnacled by the podcast itself in the knowledge graph. Both of these entities, Wordlift and SEMrush, have been barnacled by this podcast, different episodes with Chase Reiner, Rand Fishkin, and Jez Schultz um, in the knowledge graph. So they're now forever associated with me and my podcast, whether they like it or not. If we go on to the next slide, I hope... There you go. Uh, this is where I was going to start the whole conversation because that first bit was what? It was five minutes, seven minutes. I just talked for seven minutes about my super duper ridiculous project. Um, and I thought I would search Google for what I would talk to David about. And what turned up, of course, was the video. So I can't actually watch that to figure out what I might be asking him. But then I got, I thought I'll use, people also ask for all the questions that I can ask, starting with what is attention in consumer behavior? Uh, and that's a, a really great question to ask David, except for the fact that he's not here anymore. Um, this is something that I have never experienced before. We've lost the guest uh, at exactly the moment when we needed 
the guest because I had those questions for him. The idea was to talk about consumer behavior and attention management. Now, what I loved about that, and we were talking just before with David about it, was I'd always thought about com consumer behavior and thinking, yeah, we need to understand consumer behavior in order to be able to convert from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel, bring them through, and also keep the clients. And I think that's often forgotten by people is that once you've acquired a client, uh, got yourself that client, you need to keep that client. Hello, you're back, David. I was just I filling am, I am. in. Oh, sorry. A rookie mistake. I forgot to plug in my laptop. <laughs> but they oh, ran brilliant. out. Okay, I've just been fluffing out and filling in while you were here. Can we put that last slide out so that so that David can see what I did? This is this is my great idea for the day. I thought rather than do a proper interview, I'll just search for the terms that I'm going to talk to you about and okay. use people also ask as a list of questions so All I right. don't actually have to bother being an interviewer. So if, if there's anyone out there who wants to interview people, this is a great new technique. What is attention in consumer behavior? David please take that away. What is attention in consumer behavior and why is it important? Whoa, <laughs> million dollar question, right? Okay, let's start with some obvious stuff. Okay, everybody says attention is waning. We have less attention spans, smaller, shorter attention spans than ever before. There's less attention to go around and this is wrong. Okay, essentially we have the, really? same, we have the same attention span as we have always had. Uh, from an evolutionary point of view, attention is there to make to make sure that we survive, which means we need to be able to apportion attention to what we perceive as threats, opportunities, and resources in order to ensure our long-term survival. Okay. This is, what it's, I, this is how our I, brain I, works, right? I like yeah. threats, opportunities, and resources because basically if I'm selling to you, I'm trying to present it as an opportunity, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, so you need, need to pay attention if I'm selling you something. That's exactly right. I mean, you hit it on the spot, right? Nail, nail on the head. That's so a good start. Thank you. Essentially, if I don't perceive immediately something of value to me on a, on a, on a busy day, when I've got a, a million thoughts in my head, life, work, everything getting in the way. So if I don't perceive the value of what you're saying, I'm unlikely to pay any attention to what you are saying. And whatever opportunity you're presenting me with is going to go by without me taking advantage of it. Right. Okay, because I immediately thought, my, my first thought, and I think you just nailed it, is my immediate thought was our attention spans have gone to goldfish level. Uh, I turn up on a side. <laughs> that's I, also, I'm sorry, that's also wrong because goldfish <laughs> are pretty, have pretty long attention spans. You know, it's a myth really? that they have. Yeah, actually, you know, it's a, they don't think it's as short as they say it is. Okay, so why do we think it's so short? I mean, they go around because, in a circle like because, that. I'm glad you brought this up because that's so easy to remember. What a great example. Goldfish goes round. We can all visualize it. We think, oh, it goes round. By the time it comes back, it's forgotten. Everything's fresh. Okay. So although we have scientific um, data that shows this is not the case, from a popular perspective point of view, this has caught our attention, created an image in our head, and we can't get it right. out. And we just regurgitate the same sort of stuff. Like SEO myths that people say, you want a keyword density. You got to have it. It kind yeah. of makes sense intuitively. But data doesn't support it, right? Right. No, okay. But ooh, if I may say so, it used to back in the day 20 years ago. Um, yes. And, and, but, but that's actually a problem of people's perceptions not changing with the yeah, time. Yeah, and, and the data we had 20 years ago told us that goldfish had short attention spans, that animals do not feel emotions. Don't they? That, well, they do. Oh, right, okay. They have the same emotions that we do, exactly the same brain circuits. Nature okay. doesn't create different things for different people. It creates a model and goes across species, for instance. So if I feel fear, the brain circuits in my head are identical to what perhaps a dog or a cat 
has when they feel fear. If I feel love or I feel affection, if I feel uh, hunger, all those things, the signals are the same. But then there are differences between species. I mean, if I may generalize about dogs mm -hmm. who probably mm -hmm. won't be offended oh, please, because they're not do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, is that they have that dependency on the human being. So their emotions are kind of very much wrapped up in that dependency or am I misreading? Well, uh, we are their point of reference in order for them to navigate the world because no. like, they're like children, right? If you have a child- I was gonna say a bit like kids, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, bring up a child. They're bringing you to the world, they don't know if it's dangerous or if it's good or if it's bad or hard to react. They look at you, dad is smiling. Well, it's unlikely to be a threat. Dad is running away. Oh, maybe I should too, right? <laughs> same thing. So dogs are the same. They read their emotions, they take cues from us and they react. And that's how they learn. So essentially okay. you know, the circuits are the same though. So back to our consumers, hmm. and we're trying to manage their attention span. I mean, my, my initial idea, let's come back to that, was that we don't have an attention span um, worthy of the name anymore. I mean, I'll read 100 words and then get bored. I watch videos. I can't watch, I mean, I said earlier on, I can't watch more than a minute of anybody. And I just realized I spoke for seven minutes without shutting up. Um, <laughs> but how do you manage that? You're saying basically, if you can immediately within those first hundred words prove to me or indicate to me that it's an opportunity, a threat, or a resource, I will stay focused. Is that right? Mm, exactly. Have you ever been to a street market? In yes. you know, in, in an East, okay. If you go to any kind of street market, there's chaos. Okay. If you look at it, there's chaos. Fruit stalls everywhere. Some of them identical, selling identical stuff side by side, and you're just going by. And then the fruit seller needs to capture your attention. So how do they do it? Usually they make eye contact and then they're going to say something which is almost geared to you. It's going to make you smile or it's going to catch your no. attention, attention by way of saying, ha, and then you're engaged. The moment you're engaged, you're thinking about buying oranges, melon, you know, grapefruit from them specifically. But they so, have the amazing advantage or the amazing advantage, the advantage is they can see me so they can guess what I might be interested in if they've got this kind of oh, empathetic they, view. They, they see you. Okay, here, here's what it is. They actually see you. And usually yeah. the eye contact thing is the is a, is a, is a trigger. Oh, so never look at a street seller in the eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they've got you then, right? <laughs> it's very hard to look away uh, without being rude, obviously. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, but essentially that is the trigger and that then the process kicks in. And it's a process, right? They have it down to a fine art. Is, is on the there web. a thing about looking somebody in the eye where you you think you have a relationship even though you don't have a relationship once you've looked them in the eye and kept yes. the eye contact? Well, well there, you know, at a neurobiological level, at a personal level, the moment you may make eye contact with somebody, what happens is your mirror network in your brain kicks in and sort of uh, you begin to imagine what it's like with them. And, you know, you feel a connection even though there may not be one. And it's all here because you, you begin to sort of uh, create a story hmm. or a narrative, and that's how engagement happens, right? Except narcissists. Well, narcissists are wrapped up in their own story. They haven't got time or room in their head for anyone else's, and that's why you can't really engage with them. Yeah, so what, what's eye contact to them? It's uh, an opportunity to find a victim? To tell you how great they are. No, it's an opportunity right. for them to tell you how great they are. So I'm, I'm speaking from the, the point of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, okay, so... Narcissist aside, basically, yeah. you get that eye contact, you think you have a relationship, and then the street sellers or the, the, the people in the market will then look at you and they'd say to me, like, oh, you love the color red, and I would immediately think, oh, they know who I am, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, you know, you know, the moment you say, oh, you love the color red, you, you got to think, do I, am I wearing red? And yes, you got to smile and respond, right? you got to say, no, not really, but just, you know, this is the only shirt I have today. 
suddenly right. there's a narrative, there's an engagement. He's telling them a story. They, they're going to come back, right? Or they're yep. going to say, yeah, you know, that's a heroic color. I wear nothing else. And again, right. you're, you're providing something personal. They're taking that from you and you have engagement, you have a connection. And from that, then you begin to, to basically go further in the heavier attention. Now, okay, brilliant, mm. wonderful, got you, understood. I'm never going to go market again because I get caught out and they'll sell me some <laughs> They're amazing burn. places. You know, if you talk about inbound marketing, there it is. Right, right, okay, well, that was the question, in fact. How can you move that online? Because obviously we don't have the eye contact. The person lands on the page mm. and it's the same for everybody. Um, how, how do you make that contact and, and grab well, their attention? Okay, I mean, we need to understand what mechanisms we use in the marketplace scenario. And basically we have the mechanism of mirror neurons and empathy. Empathy is a mechanism in our head which allows us to project ourselves into the shoes of somebody else in order to understand what they're thinking and what's important to them. Not because we really want to hug them or feel them, because if they're a potential threat, we need to be aware of it so we can take action. And also we need to establish their motivation so we can understand them better and decide how, how much to trust them and whether to trust them in the first instance. Same thing works in the web. So we've got to think what activates empathy in the web. Well, if I'm coming to your site and I have a specific need, if, you know, first look, I, I get there. That need is being addressed very quickly. I'm beginning to think, okay, this is, this is my site. This guy knows what he's talking about. I need to go deeper here. You have my attention. You haven't made me work for it. You haven't made me go through lots and lots of pages. You haven't given me, I don't know, a gazillion things about you and what you do. And then he said, okay, now if you want something from me, this is how you're going to get it. You have to sign up here and go into the newsletter. And go, you know, none of that, none of that. You were very quick. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Well, well, then the question, for, sorry, from my point of view, is obviously mm. I, I just said, oh, everyone's got the same message, and they don't. Brands create personas, and then they hit these personas. And the idea is, if, if I'm right, they create the personas to create the, 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 the appearance of empathy on the page, and they will push this page that makes them look empathetic, which is a complete cheat and a con. Hmm. But how, if something works, really works, how do you tell, how can you tell it, it's not real? Oh, so, yeah. I don't know. It's like trust, right? If I work really hard to gain your trust, and I, you know, I, I, there are things with steps which I can take, which will say, hey, gay, I, can, I, can, I can work with David, I can trust him. Well, I'm engaged in that process now, I've put in work. So whether it was fake to begin with in terms of I'm using steps on a step-by-step -step basis and I know the mechanism, or it came from my heart, the end result is the same. I'm engaged with you, you trust me, and now I feel indebted to that extension of trust and the mechanism inside me as long as I'm not a narcissist, reciprocated. Yeah, we can forget about narcissists. That, that was that was kind of just something I got into it. We can forget about the, the exception. But um, what, what just struck me in that sentence was indebtedness. Yes. Do, do you feel that we have to create this concept or this idea of indebtedness in order to get me to buy from you? I think you can't do any kind of business or get into any kind of relational exchange of any kind if you're not really invested in serving in some way. So okay. if I'm invested in that, that comes across, I'm genuine in wanting to help you. And then you respond to that, provided that what I've got will actually help you. Okay. Sorry. So you're saying, okay, if I, if I turn up with a product and I say, this is my wonderful product, I think it's the best product in the world, and I'm going <laughs> yes. to shove it down your throat. 
Yes. That's never going to work. I need to no, say... No, it's not. No, I mean, obviously, if it's your product, I expect you to say it's the most fantastic <laughs> product in the world. It cost me my life to create, and I need a million dollars for it, and it'll do everything for you. Well, I expect you to say that. I mean, she didn't. be crazy, right? You're going to say, hey, listen, I've copied somebody else's stuff because they had the idea, and it's kind of mediocre, but it'll do the job. And you can have it at forty nine ninety nine, right? What what say you? <laughs> right. Okay. So if the truth be told, a lot of companies do what you just said, which yes, is because there are some idea. of us. Yes, because some of us only have forty nine ninety nine to give, and right. that that comes back to what you said about marketing persona. You need to know your audience. If you're marketing at the forty nine ninety nine level, where people want something but have no other choice. Well, that's your audience. You say, listen, guys, you know, you're not going to get the best product in the world, but you're only spending 50 bucks, right? So it'll do the job for a while. All right. Oh, I'm, sorry, I'm prepared that, that... to accept that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, and I'd, li I'd love the honesty, right, as well. <laughs> but yeah, oh, you might be the exception. A lot of people probably don't. Don't, don't people, I, I wouldn't say like to be tricked, but they're comfortable with the idea that they're going through this thing and they don't really want to know the truth. Well, we all like to have our egos stroked. That is true. And that's right. why a lot of emotional marketing actually works. Where, you know, I will say, hey, Jason, I've got a platinum deal for you. You don't Platinum, to... not just yeah, gold. Exactly. You don't want to hear that I've got a, a cut price deal because, you know, I think this is all the amount of money that you can spend with me. What I'd like you to think is that you are being elevated by engaging in this relational exchange where you're going to give me 50 bucks and I'm going to give you some kind of deal, which is platinum, whatever that may mean. But in our what? heads, the value of platinum is just elevates the emotional uh, value of the transaction. Isn't, isn't platinum just kind of an overbid on gold? People are saying we've got gold, <laughs> and they <laughs> yes. say, thought that isn't enough, we're going to go for something else, and they said platinum. It's white, white gold, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and the next one's going to be what, mercury? Well, the next one might be black. Ooh. I'll say, we have the black deal for you. You're going to say, what is a black deal? I'll say, well, it's <laughs> exceptional. Very few people get a black deal. Right? That's why I have Black Friday. What is a Black Friday? Genius. Right. Okay. What, what, wonderful stuff. Now, um, my, my, my other question is kind of, right, I've got somebody onto my page. What I can't get my head around is how you can manage the attention span of somebody who lands on a web page. Well, I think that's the wrong question to ask because you're asking, how do I manage your attention span? And the answer is you can't. That's my attention span. What you should ask is, how can I best serve you? Right? And if you say, well, I'm looking for something, can you give it to me quickly? Can you help me ascertain that I'm at the right place? If you do that as fast as possible, I really appreciate this. And also, I'm, I'm suddenly engaged because what was pressing me in my mind has found a response on your website. And then I'm prepared to go through the process. And the process can be pretty tedious sometimes. You know, For 50 bucks, I may want to see some reviews and I may do some background research, look at all the kind of things. Right? But You've got my attention. That's the key thing. And that's what you're struggling for initially. If you oh, so, so clickbait headlines, grab attention, and then worry about it. Well, yeah, there has to be substance there, obviously. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. I, 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 you know, if you wanted to, to grab my attention in the first instance, and then I can't find a single review about you, nothing. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know how long you've been in business. I don't know where you do business okay. from. And there's nobody ever reviewing your company. Well, I'm going to think, I know it's 50 bucks, but it's my 50 bucks, and that's all I have, right? So actually, to me, it's pretty valuable. So right. I'm going to be... Okay, I, I do apologize. I don't know why I said clickbait, but it, it just kind of thought, <laughs> yeah, you idea did. of grabbing attention. Yeah, no, no, it's probably the rudest thing I've said in this entire series, <laughs> and I apologize. We're okay, then. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, kind of, I'm, I'm actually thinking about it from my point of view. Uh, obviously, as somebody who has something to sell, I'm selling my brand SERP courses. And one of the big problems I have is figuring out how I can address people's problems. Because I think I've got solutions, but it's a solution to a problem they don't know they have. How do you grab somebody's attention in that side? Because most people don't think about their brand SERPs or their personal brand SERPs. So my first pitch has to be, this is what a brand SERP is, and this is why it's important. And that's a really difficult pitch because I've got to educate them, grab their attention, or oh, sorry, grab their attention, educate them, and then sell to them all in one flow. How do I do it, please? <laughs> okay. First of all, you can't be all things to all people. No. So if you think you have a solution to a problem they may have, You've got to narrow down your audience. You've got to think, okay, who's my core audience? And that's probably going to be between 75 and 80% of people that you're actually targeting. Okay. And if you, can, if you can define them, their approach, their need, the specificity of their budget, the specificity of the methodology is going to determine essentially who they are when they come there and what they expect to see. And if you can answer that, then there you go. That's your beginning. And then everybody else is just a cherry on the cake, right? Okay. Okay. No, no, perfect. So basically my idea, I mean, my idea was, I mean, I did the site for kids before, and it was basically pretty much any child who saw the games and the songs liked it. Um, and I'm kind of thinking the same way now. The brand serves, everybody needs it, therefore everybody is my audience. And that's complete. I'm going completely down the wrong channel, <laughs> yes. aren't I? Well, yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't be all things to all people. I mean, no brand is. Sure, you can get what we call the halo effect, where basically you get spillover because of you know perception, perception in terms of uh, popularity or perception in terms of value or perception in terms of ubiquity, perhaps. But that's the halo effect. You shouldn't be aiming for that because you can't really control that. What you can control is the approach, the engagement factors, the uh, form factors that you put in place to address the needs of your very direct, very core audience, and they're very specific. Brilliant stuff. And that was absolutely perfect. I love the idea of ending with the fact that we should actually focus on a core audience, grab their attention with something that actually matters to them, and then roll them through that process once we have that attention, pulling that attention through to, ma oh, to make them, to, to encourage them to do business with us. Thank you very much, David. That was absolutely wonderful. I'm going to sing you the song, and then I'm going to tell everybody about the next episode. Okay. <laughs> A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, David. Thank you very much for having me here. Brilliant. Thank you.